Welcome to Real Herbalism Radio, show 144. Today's show is brought to you by Hunter Creation, graphic design and website designers putting your marketing ideas to life through bumper stickers, stickers, websites, business cards, you name it, they can help you out. Visit them at huntercreation.com. And Sucier Lupe Consulting. Sierra Lupe Herbal Consulting offers in-home or distance consultations, custom formulations, and holistic care in conjunction with your existing diagnosis or medication. You can get a hold of me, Sue Sierra Lupe, at Sue at thepracticalherbalist.com. All right. Candice Hunter with Get Healthy Now. Candice. Are you working with a pre-diagnosis, like pre-diabetes or pre-something else? Are you concerned about your health over the long run? Would you like to maybe start to use some more natural treatments for dealing with some of the diagnoses or the chronic conditions that you've been dealing with? If you would, check out Get Healthy Now with Candice. She can consult both near and far, and she'd love to help you get healthy. All right. And Ace High Heat Graphics, custom and printed shirts and hats, a great way for your group or nonprofit or church group, whatever you have, to uh, raise funds for your activities. As low as five and a quarter a shirt, give them a call at acehighheatgraphics.com. Occupy Medical. Occupy Medical is a free street reach herbal clinic. We have doctors and nurses and herbalists and mental health providers all working together for the better of the community, proving that healthcare really is a human right. Contact us at occupy-medical.org. All right. And the Herbal Nerd Society. Herbal Nerd Society is an exclusive membership, which operates not only to educate the members about some of the pretty involved and advanced information about the herb of the month that we choose, but it is also a great way to support the Practical Herbalist website and the Real Herbalism Radio podcast. So if you'd like to get cool videos or cool audio um Let's Talk Let's Series, talk series. Uh-huh. or if you'd like to get a hold of all the podcasts that are available for Real Herbalism Radio, which is 140-some-odd. It's a lot of them. A lot. Definitely a lot. So if you want to get a hold of those and you want some exclusive articles, you want to maybe dive a little deeper into your herbal practice or your herbal learning, check out the Herbal Nerd Society. Join us now. Yeah. Thank you. And with that, on with the show. Herbalists have a thousand different ways to connect plants with the people who need them. Some are ultra-modern, like biochemistry and the science of herbal medicine making, and others are older, yet just as powerful when you know how to use them. Today we're talking with spagyricist and mycologist Jason Scott, owner and operator of Feral Fungi and curator at Elko Mycology, about using the doctrine of signatures to work with plants and mushrooms. Now here are your hosts, Candace Hunter and Susier Lupe. I'm Candace Hunter. And I'm Sue Sierra Lupe. And, and welcome, welcome to Real Herbalism Radio. <laughs> welcome back, Jason. Yeah. Thanks for having me again. <laughs> well, it's such a pleasure to have you here in this wonderful city. Um, you're not normally running around here. Yeah, you're not normally Eugene. Yeah, kind of. I've got I've got family here, so I stop through and visit my nephews quite often. Oh, what yeah. a good uncle you <laughs> are. Yeah. I hope they're listening. Yeah, pay attention, kids. Pay attention, kids. <laughs> Listen got to a, Uncle Jason. Got a famous uncle. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, and you wanted to come back and talk about the doctrine of signatures. With I've talked to a lot of herbalists who work with plants about the doctrine of signatures, but a mycologist, uh, I, you, That's... I'm, 
Yeah. You got you got you got to help us out here. What is going on with that one? Totally. Well, I mean, you know, when I came before, I was talking a lot about the my alchemical explorations mm-hmm. into mycology, into the mushrooms, and I think uh, such a key part of that, you know, is the doctrine of signatures and doctrine of correspondences, because based on the planetary archetype that you're working with corresponds to a different day of the week and it's going to kind of denote when you're going to work with what mushroom at what time to kind of potentize the medicine even more so and just to give a little bit of a background i think from the herbal at least when i started learning about herbalism and heard the doctrine of signatures for the first time which is is put you on the spot which is the doctrine of signatures being right so yeah so i was just going to explain that when i first learned about it it was um more like this herb looks like this thing so it's good for that thing for mm-hmm. example like a walnut looks like your brain so it's good for your brain mm-hmm. or a carrot looks like your eye so it's good for your eye and i thought yeah. you know i thought, <laughs> thought it was kind of interesting but it never really like resonated super deeply with me Um, and so I kind of wanted to see the deeper levels of it and, you know, getting into the alchemical practice and philosophy, uh, kind of came upon Nicholas Culpepper's work. Yes. Um, so he wrote the Compliet Herbal, um, Way back. The 1500s, I think. Yeah, even yeah. before I was born. I'm old. <laughs> yeah, this is one of those it was, it, was, it was a while ago. It was a while ago. <laughs> but it was, it was really interesting to me to, to kind of see that because, even even starting the alchemical work, you're kind of just given a list of correspondences. So you're kind of given like a list of planets and then the herbs that correspond with them. And so Nicholas Culpepper talked about that a lot. He would say, for example, here's St. John's wort and it's ruled by the sun, but no description of why is ruled by the sun mm-hmm. or anything to that extent. So so again, I'm kind of taking the doctrine of, civic, of signatures a step further than this looks like this and working more with archetypes. And you can do that on multiple different levels, but I think today, you know, should kind of stick with the planets because that's what I work with and what I use in the practical um, side of things in the laboratory, um, applying to the mushrooms as I'm preparing the medicines. And with the doctrine of signatures, I know some people use it as a pneumatic device in order to help them remember what herbs are good for. And naturally, the more that we learn about how to heal with herbs, the more we understand that it looks like the lymphatic system. Nope, it doesn't. You know, that's, <laughs> right. there's, there's lymphs all over the body. So to use it as a pneumatic, sure, that's a good primer, but you're talking right. about something a little more deep. Yeah. And I mean, there's, there's kind of like a similarity that I hear in that too, but it's working with drawing correspondences between the archetypes. And so when you understand something through its relationship to something else, you kind of understand it on a deeper level. And for example, I'm going to be talking about kind of the relationships with the mushrooms, specifically the mushrooms, but it works with plants as well, and the mushrooms and the planetary archetypes. And so there's this great quote from Paracelsus that I just want to read to you that I feel like really encapsulates that. And Paracelsus says, If I have mana in my constitution, I can attract mana from heaven. Melissa, or lemon balm, is not only in my garden, but also in the air and in the heavens. Saturn is not only in the sky, but also deep in the earth and the ocean. What is Venus but Artemisia, mugwort, that grows in your garden? What is iron but Mars? That is to say, Venus and Artemisia are both products of the same essence, and Mars and iron are both manifestations of the same root cause. What is the human body but a constellation of the same powers that are contained in the stars in the sky? 
He who knows iron knows the attributes of Mars. He who knows Mars knows the qualities of iron. What would become of your heart if there were no sun in the universe? What would become of your vasa spermatica or creative energies if there were no Venus? To grasp the invisible or etheric elements, to attract them by their material correspondences, to control, purify, and transform by the living power of the spirit or the Vulcan, this is true alchemy. And again, that's Paracelsus. <clears throat> and I think he just does a really beautiful way of kind of like encapsulating why these planetary archetypes and energies are important and because you're understanding things on a deeper level and kind of from the alchemical tradition, you know, the main hermetic axiom uh, coming from Hermes Trismegistus or Thoth uh, is as above, so below. Mm -hmm. And so that's something that whether you're an alchemist or not, you've probably heard at some point or another. And so we work with that in the lab and we always look as at our still or our setup as kind of like a macrocosm of a microcosm of the macrocosm. Right. And so when you're distilling something, it's giving up the ghost and you're releasing it up into the universe or into the heavens and then condensing it back down into its material form again. So while we're doing that, we can kind of collect, uh, collect and capture those celestial energies in the formulas that we're putting together or in the, the preparations that we're making. Through your process or <laughs> are you talking about it? It mirrors something happening on a more <laughs> what yeah so well i mean just just you're able to say for example let's go with something that paracelsus was just talking about there with with artemisia being ruled by venus and so venus is associated with friday and mm -hmm. so the day of the week friday comes from the old norse uh goddess frida who has an association with Venus as well. And if you're on the most basic level, if you want to like process your mugwort on Friday, you're going to capture those celestial energies that have that Venusian energy. It's going to strengthen your preparation mm -hmm. as it comes out on the other side. Does that make sense? Yeah, there's another type <clears throat> of practice that does that sort of thing with planting on certain times of the moon. I can't remember what it's mm -hmm. called. Bi remember. Biodynamics. Biodynamics, yeah, thank exactly. you. Yes. And that came yeah. from, um, by and large, by, from Rudolf Steiner, yes. who was, I believe, a Rosicrucian. And oh. so, so the Rosicrucian traditions are very tied in with the alchemical traditions, those, um, those kind of schools like the Masons and the Rosicrucians, those all, um, those secret societies basically kind of carried... Um, carried those traditions into the modern age, those kind of like mystery traditions like alchemy and astrology. And mm -hmm. so his, his work with the biodynamics is heavily influenced from, um, from alchemy. And you see that he's following, there's just following the patterns of nature and that's all alchemy yeah. really is mm -hmm. in general is like, you're looking at, you're observing and then you're following the patterns of nature. Mm -hmm. It's like, how do we learn to distill something? We learn to distill because you see that water evaporates goes up into the sky, condenses, and then comes back down into material form again. So it's just like we're replicating these natural patterns that we can see right in front of us. And then you can see how that, that tracks with the season too and the stars as they move across the sky. Well, uh, two of my kids went to the Waldorf school. Mm -hmm. It was a publicly funded, like a charter school version of it. So I, I've heard it used numerous times before. And I'm just like, eh, you know, over my head, that's interesting. And then I'm done thinking about it because 
there are 30 kids in front of me. So <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> the, the, yeah, keeping them going was more important than ruminating about that. Right. But I know that going to a biodynamic farm is a little, little bit different than going to an organic farm that's not biodynamic and right. noticing that not just in the way they were planting, but in the way that they're harvesting. And I, I found it uh, more of an organism. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And you're just kind of like working within the natural order of things, you know, you're just kind of following those natural patterns. Mm-hmm. And in a way, if you wanted to, you could think of this process of medicine making akin to that of being like a biodynamic medicine making process although this predated biodynamic farming by quite a long while mm-hmm. there's well, still that I mean, there. in truth honestly biodynamic farming is picking up what we already knew ages and ages ago when it just was sort of tossed aside or lost or we tried something else for a bit but a lot of what they're doing in biodynamic forms farms is following the patterns of nature which is what farmers did way back when right because that's what they did right it was just normal farming then (laughs) right no it's not normal but it doesn't mean that it isn't i mean that that's where it's really rooted right well you're adding another construct to it as well i i don't think Mm -hmm. that bio that the farmers from way back were applying their farming energy to is it friday you know, did did they were they looking at a seven day week as a court? You know, that's the seven day week is not yeah. not all that. That's not ancient. You know, the the twelve month year that's that's fairly right. that's no, relatively are, new. Yeah. We right. have a, a thirteen month year. Right. You know, we Following even have a chain. Correct. Right. right. So there's <clears throat> it does range various yeah. according mm-hmm. to your perspective, but perspective is what it's all about. Right. And I don't know the intricacies of biodynamic farming, but I do know that as opposed to following the days of the week, they follow the the planets as they're moving Mm -hmm. through the sky. And so to my mind and to my practice, it's you can potentize your medicine even more if you're looking at like current planetary transits, what's going on. If you've got like Venus crossing right over you, then you capture that Venusian energy at that time is going to be a lot more potent than if you're just working on, on Friday, but kind of working with the alchemical framework that we're given each, each of the inner seven planets, Mm -hmm. which kind of rule the scene universe, right? You get to Saturn. Scene S E E N. Not the scene. Yeah. Not the 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 scene. They're pretty hip planets too. They are. (laughs) (laughs) But, but yeah, so, I mean, once you get to Saturn, it's kind of considered energetically and, and physically is like the boundary between the seen and the unseen universe, because that's kind of the last planet that you could see with your naked eye. Hmm. Um, So the, the outer three planets, it's like, you can't really, or, you know they're all still debating about pluto i'm pretty sure but yeah it depends <laughs> but, on the day but yeah exactly <laughs> yeah maybe even the hour but yeah <laughs> but anyway so you work with those inner seven planets and they're or or more realistically five planets and two luminaries the two luminaries being the sun and the moon mm-hmm. and those correspond with the seven days of the week as we operate mm-hmm. currently so on the most basic level you can work with the planetary energies on the day of the week that you're working with. Yeah. So it's more of a celestial mindfulness. Yeah. These things are symbols of stuff that yeah. should be invoking other um, mindfulness tasks. You know, remember to kindness, remember act, 
activity, remember this, so trying to make you a better person, and right. then incorporate that into the medicine that you're making, I assume. Right, and and also kind of like capturing the general celestial energy of that thing. So, so to make it a little bit more tangible, you know, we can talk about... Um, you know, I'm going to talk about mushrooms because that's kind of, kind that's of where, your dude. Yeah, that's yeah. where, where yeah. I'm coming from. That's you know, where we are. <laughs> so it's been it's been really fun because you like look at the archetypes and the energies of the different uh, planets, and then you you draw correspondences between things that have are energetically similar. And when I'm when I'm doing this, I'm looking at I'm looking at the morphology of the thing, how it's growing, what it looks like, what color it is. I'm looking at the actions that it has the therapeutic actions kind of like how it's working on your system what physical system it's connected to i'm looking at the uh, energetics so like if it's cold and dry cold and dry or hot and moist or what kind of um, herbal energetics that mm-hmm. it's carrying with it <clears throat> and so i one of my favorite mushrooms is lion's mane and that's a pretty like hot topic in the <laughs> in the mushroom world especially because paul stamets you know talks oh, that yeah. one up yeah, all the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, but i think for a really good reason just because um they found that the hercinones in there are one of the best uh neuroregenerative compounds out of anything in nature and so it has this really amazing neuroregenerative property um that is is really amazing and <clears throat> so i think about I think about lion's mane and I think about its qualities and I think about its associations and I think lion's mane is associated with the brain. Mm-hmm. It's associated with the nervous system. It's also associated with the stomach. It helps with digestion. And I think that's probably also connected to like our nerve endings in the mm-hmm. stomach. Um, and then I think about like what it looks like. It's just kind of like voluptuous and white. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times, you know, when you talk- find it, you find it. It's yeah. Big. Yeah. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. Big and beautiful and white and, and so to my mind, there's no other correspondence that could fit the lion's mane better than than the moon, mm-hmm. right? So the moon physiologically corresponds to the brain and to the nervous system and to the stomach. Like those are its primary physiological correspondences. But then you also look at the <clears throat> the energetic levels of the moon and it's dealing with the tides and the water. It's dealing with the emotions, which I find lion's mane to be really calming, uh, good for things like depression and anxiety, which I feel kind of like associate with that lunar energy. Um, and then that white color, that voluptuous kind of like white color that it has too, are all very lunar kind of qualities. So, so again, I'm like looking at this mushroom and then I'm seeing this deeper resonance of the moon and what that moon represents and what the moon is. And then there's all these traditional uh, materia medica and texts and everything too that that draw correspondences between physiological systems and the different planets that rule them and then you can take that even deeper and go into the zodiac as well but again i just want to kind of stick with the planets for planets are a good place to start simplicity's yeah. sake yeah. yeah wow so the what are some of the other ones that you think about because some of this is kind of new notions you're right. putting together stuff that <clears throat> people in the west haven't associated right yeah and and i really appreciate um you know my good friend sage popham has been a really big influence on this because he he um he's a teacher over at the school of evolutionary herbalism and uh runs organic unity which is a spagyric preparation uh, lab that i worked for for a while but he was really big on kind of like looking at cole pepper's work and looking 
at different people who are just kind of saying, oh, well, this herb is associated with this planet. This herb is associated with this planet and not really... They didn't really understand it. They didn't really describe, yeah, or they maybe they understood it, but they didn't really describe like how they were coming to the conclusions that they were coming to. And yeah. you know, the alchemy being a practice of observation, like we were talking about with the biodynamics, is like, it's like we want to understand how to like make these correspondences for ourselves because what the, what they have in their materia medica, they had a lot of European herbs, but they didn't have a lot of New World herbs, you mm-hmm. know, or a lot of things from the East, or a lot of things from South America. Um, or anything from Very those areas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and there's just like a, a logistical thing of where they were in that time. So so his, Sage's work and kind of like understand, helping him to understand the planetary archetypes and those energies and where they're coming from really kind of laid this foundation to like look at them and to understand them and then to look at the nature and the quality. And I think that's where it kind of takes it deeper too than the the kind of typical understanding of the doctrine of signatures and correspondences and takes it deeper than, Oh, this looks like a brain. So it's good for a brain. Right. Or this looks like the eye. So it's good for the eye. It's like a cartoon version of right. the, what yeah. the doctrine of signatures and, really and instead, is. And instead yeah. you're like looking at the whole thing, you're looking at the whole picture and then you're looking at this energetic archetype of the, the planet and, and connecting the two. And again, like I was saying, it, it connects to the morphology. It connects to the color uh, it connects to the actions, the therapeutic actions, which are largely related to what the compounds are that are present in those things. And mm-hmm. so, again, much more of like a whole snapshot of what that thing actually is. And then, again, kind of taking things back to like a philosophical level, too, it's thought in the, the alchemical tradition, you know, the, the hermetic, the hermetic pillars of hermeticism are alchemy, astrology, and uh, the Kabbalah. And so there's the Sephiroth on the Tree of Life or the Kabbalah, and each one is ruled by a different planet. And it's thought that when we're on kind of like the base level, we're on like the physical level, which they call Malkuth, but it's thought that when something dies, when something gives up the ghost or returns to the heavenly place that it came from, it kind of returns to the Sephiroth, which it came from. And so it returns to the... What? Sephiroth. (laughs) So Sephiroth would be like a like a node on the tree of life in the Kabbalah or the Kabbalistic understanding. It's like a and branch. So, okay. Yeah. Branches. Yeah. I know what branches are and I know <laughs> yeah. what nodes are. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So again, just kind of like making it a little <laughs> esoteric, but I just kind of also want to give to like where, where this tradition of like where it comes from, because it's like rooted and very deep, so sometimes some heady extent, esoteric. When you're starting to but, look at that on a more like starting to bring that concept into practical, you would say, lion's mane comes from the same place where the moon comes from exactly they both come from the same part of heaven or the spirit realm exactly or they and, share that essence and like that, and that, was yeah that, that they are both manifestations of that specific piece of the realm right unlike for instance saint john's wort and the sun which come from a different spot right they are different energy and they come from a different place exactly so when you start looking at that's almost like it's a different culture like the moon comes from this continent and the sun comes from that continent if the spirit world was a giant earth. Yeah, if you want to map it, <laughs> you know? if you map it no, that's a, that's think a, of it that way. That's it's a like, good good way to put it for sure, yeah. yeah. And you think of like things coming from that Sephiroth or that, you know, that area of the tree of life are going to have that kind of resonant energy. Yes. And so when they just again kind of going you know i tr- i always try to bring it back to like the traditions of the philosophies of where this is coming from because 
Now, a word from Thomas Easley about the Journal of Functional Herbalism. The Journal of Functional Herbalism is a free online journal promoting the integration of traditional Western herbalism, clinical nutrition, and functional medicine. It's published by the Eclectic School of Herbal Medicine, and you can find the Journal of Functional Herbalism at functionalherbalism.com. Again, it was all based in direct observations, so they had a reason why they were making these observations, and largely today is like we don't really know very much about, like hardly anybody knows much about alchemy or astrology or Kabbalah, and what we do know about it is like very shallow and kind mm -hmm. of kind of like lost on what the traditional people were using it for and practicing it with, so... Well, and the traditional peoples, I mean, even just the average folk knew a lot more about those things than we do. Yeah. In fact, often, like, the average Joe Farmer knew more about the astrological aspects of what he was doing than someone today who is a modern herbalist. Right. You know, not that herbalists aren't smart or anything. It's just right. We're information kind of, kind that of disconnected from it. Yeah, we've been disconnected. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes, I've, I've noticed in patterns of growth, there's a point where you're completely invested in it, whatever the, right. it is. Like a child is completely invested in the family's culture and then hits the teen years and is completely anti the family's culture. Right. And is exactly the opposite and rebels. And I feel like we as herbalists and as, as culture in general, world in general, are coming out of a teen phase where we're starting to say, well, you know, in your 20s, usually most people start looking back at some of the things mom and dad said or did or family culture and say, yeah, that makes sense. I, right. I should pick up that practice again or whatever. And you start like returning and you have new things, but you return to some of the th pieces of home. And I feel like that's right. what we're doing. Yeah, totally. That's a really interesting way to think about it. And I feel like it, it's kind of like a good time to put this in here too. You know, it's like of just how far removed from those traditions and understandings we are, you know, and I just think about the term alchemy in this day yeah. and age and how people use that and people were saying oh this is chocolate alchemy and this is yeah you know, it's like, this term is like applied very yeah. loosely it's like anything. the word zen yeah everything totally. is zen <laughs> exactly it's not but everything is exactly described as zen or alchemy <laughs> right and so you can and so you can look back and you say well what is alchemy and like here's this like rooted tradition that you can point to and say here was this practice that happened and here's where it came from and here's why they did things the way that they did them and here's a physical practice that is still still viable from that too yeah and so to to call it something else or to to kind of appropriate for lack of a better term that <laughs> that term and say oh well what i'm doing is alchemy it's like you're baking a cake it's not really alchemy right yeah <laughs> you know and so so not to not to diminish what what people are doing or anything oh, yeah, but i some think some amazing that, think cakes a, out there yeah exactly oh really good cakes but <laughs> but can are they really alchemical you know i no, don't think so you not know so much, and yeah. and the same with astrology you know a lot of astrology has been has been kind of co-opted by the new yeah. age movement that started in the late 1800s you know and yeah. and the theo theosophists um and lost its traditional rooting, which again, now we think of astrology as we're just thinking about very shallow. I mean, not necessarily <laughs> shallow, not, not, not necessarily shallow, but yeah, like yeah pop, it's like who am I going to be dating next? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, Sun sign astrology. We're yeah. thinking just in like psychological terms, yeah. but but again, it was like traditionally not for human betterment. It's just what lottery numbers should you be right? Right. And traditionally, <laughs> it was rooted in patterns of nature, right? Yeah. So it was mm -hmm. rooted in following 
those patterns. So I think like what yeah. you're saying was really beautiful because I think we are kind of coming to this place where we're, we're like looking back yeah. in time and looking at these traditions that we, we kind of saw something good in already. Mm-hmm. Like we kind of have been it's like, Oh, well there must be something good to astrology. So like, let's apply that, but kind of doing it on this very shallow level. And it feels like maybe now we're kind of, Oh, well there's a reason that people back then were doing it the way that they were doing it. And let's maybe like take a look at that before we just kind of go blindly into applying all of our own yeah, ideas well, and to it. What I'm noticing is that there are people <clears throat> like yourself. I mean, mm-hmm. you know a lot about science. You're you're well invested in that, mm-hmm. which is to some extent I think of it as being a very modern alchemical style process. Yeah. That's missing a component. Yeah. And you were called by the mushrooms to yeah. work with them and start working with doctrine and signatures and all that, which is really bringing science and, and the spirit spiritual aspect back together in a modern version of alchemy. Right. I don't think really of like... science as being modern at all. It's been going on forever. I mean, it's, it's basically curiosity with evidence and that's, you know, Galileo, not exactly a new dude in our, in our atmosphere. It's just we we have a culture now that um, it's more people belittle science, people belittle whatever learning, maybe because they feel overwhelmed or what have you, but people feel distant from these things. And I think with your version of alchemy, bridging that distance by showing that there's more to whatever, there's more to science, there's more to literature, there's more to all kinds of things than just what's on the surface. Right. And I think, I think taking science away from clickbait. Totally. And, and what I was kind of hearing you say, Candace, and that too, was that, is that we're in this modern era of, of a really materialist science. Mm -hmm. um, Capitalism plus science is not awesome. Yeah. Which (laughs) modern, I mean, it goes back to like the 16, 1700s when, when, the Royal Society was really divorcing themselves from the practices of alchemy. And so again, looking back into history and looking at the roots of everything, all of our modern sciences came from alchemy. Yeah. Like the word chemistry came directly from alchemy Alchemy. when the Royal Society was trying to separate themselves. And then all the other biology, physics, everything kind of evolved out of that, but they kind of stripped the spirit from it. And that's kind of like what Mm -hmm. I was hearing you say was that, was that we have this practice of science that's that's not the way I I kind of see it, it's like we have a practice of science that isn't rooted in anything. Yeah. Um it's like the sulfur. It's kind of, yeah, it's yeah, and it's kind of like yeah. it's kind of just like blindly charging into the future just like seeing what we can discover. Right. And it's from that it's become very materialistic and without that that spirit or that philosophy like it doesn't really have a guide. It doesn't have any, anything that kind of is like, well, why are you looking at it like that? Or why are you taking it that way? And kind of where, you know, I think of the hermetic traditions, like they were very scientific and that's where a lot of the initial scientific uh, underpinnings came from of direct observation. But there was also this relationship too with philosophy and it was always a relationship where it was, you don't get one without the other, right? So you have this philosophy and this cosmology of the universe and how the universe is and how the universe works, and you're operating off of that in your discovery of science. And then they had to kind of like back each other up too. So if you if you did something in the lab off direct observation, 
it kind of had to like fit with the philosophy or you had to change the philosophy and vice versa. If mm-hmm. you, if you change is not easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People yeah. don't like changing. I it, don't like it. Exactly. Yeah. It means yeah. maturity. And exactly. I am not all about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I think, you know, and, and I got into a lot of this stuff too, because of, of a lot of the problems that I've just have seen with the modern world and, and a lot of the things that we're facing as a mm-hmm. culture and, as a community and all the things that we're doing to this planet and to the natural kind of way of life here and um, saw it, saw the way that these like traditional teachings and the way that it was balanced theory and philosophy and practice all together kind of laid this foundation to do things in more of an ethical manner to say the least is because you're like operating, you're operating within a system Whereas now I feel like we think we're operating outside of the system and we're kind of like driving the boat, you know, and in that we are kind of disregarding all these laws of nature and laws of life. And before everything was rooted in that. Right. And so so, you're talking about cultural arrogance. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And kind of like where we got lost along the way, you know, like how do we, how do we, how do we get where we are today? You know? Mm -hmm. Well, and I mean, we need often to we we live in a dualistic world i mean yeah. there's there's self and not self there's mm-hmm. you know so we probably as a species needed to take step out of that space where it was all rooted in the spiritual understanding and philosophy in the greater world so that we could better understand the reductionist part but there's a point at which you have to then turn around and go back right so it's like the yin and yang symbol. There's a little bit of the light color and the dark and a little bit of the dark and the light. So we have to go back and forth. And so now is the time where we're starting to return back to, okay, we've got an awesome, incredible mechanistic science process. We've got tools, we've got language, we've got math, we've got an incredible new construct. Now we need to re-root it in some of the more spiritual Right. Root it back into the whole world system. Totally. And we have to revamp the whole world system understanding to accept that new thing that we've now created. And we needed to step out to create it. Right. And yeah. And I mean, I think, you know, they're not inherently disconnected. I think they're inherently really connected. But then we saw this kind of like split Mm-hmm. in history that that went kind of both ways you know yeah. where we came from this again this hermetic tradition that really had both the material yeah. and the, yeah. the spiritual sides happening simultaneously which was then kind of pushed out with all the other pagan uh yeah. heretic societies <laughs> by the roman church and kind of like disregarded and and delegitimized and forced to hide essentially right, yeah. in all the texts and every, all the knowledge that they gained burned. And then it was just ultra spiritual and then flipped to the other side of just being ultra scientific and ultra, ultra physical. Yeah. And so it's like almost like a pendulum swinging, right? Yeah, Where it's kind yeah. of like this balance, like there's this balance in the middle and then we went way over here to the spiritual and then like way over here to the scientific. And right now we're kind of in the middle where there's still a big split yeah. Right. And you can but kind of see that. But we're, we're narrowing it. But we're narrowing it for sure. Narrowing it. Yeah. yeah. And I think kind of coming back to that middle is like the ultimate, ultimate goal in that. Yeah. And that's the way that it kind of weaves back into the, into the medicine, into the practices too, and bringing the doctrine of signatures in to understand the plants and the, 
the mushrooms and the metals on another level Mm -hmm. on like a more spiritual level as well as the physiological level that you're working with them on so i like to really kind of balance that and try and understand like you were talking about understand the constituents of what's in the things that we're working with so that's kind of a lot of what i want to do you know i'm pretty small at this point but i'm trying to figure out how to get access to you know, gas chromatography and liquid chromatography. To, That's an to expensive figure. hobby. Right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, you know, there's so much teaching, especially in the mushrooms where we, we don't know as much about that. And so, like, how do we figure out more about the extracts and then, like, what we're extracting and what's coming out and then what those things are used for. Mm-hmm. And I'm all, all about the holistic, but I'm also really interested in, like, what's coming out in those extracts and the different parts of the extracts and, like, how those compare to other styles of extracts and Mm-hmm. So, so there's like that okay. scientific side and then the the planetary so let, let's talk about how you fuse the scientific side and <laughs> the, the spiritual side in the spagyric <clears throat> that you brought with you right can you can use ad, er, or, or, sorry sorry <laughs> i can use a mushroom as an example as you walk yeah. us through that yeah totally so i talked a, a little bit about um the lion's mane here but maybe let's choose a different one let's talk about like turkey tail okay right and so that's my favorite (laughs) yeah that's a good one and and again we were kind of talking about venus before and i think that the turkey tail has a very venusian type of energy uh to it so the turkey tail is very like voluptuous and kind of like curvy and then have like those beautiful colored strands on them Mm -hmm. a lot of times um they kind of like flow into each other. No two are alike. No two are alike. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and um, then it has physiological actions on the genitourinary tract and the kidneys, which Venus is associated with both of those things. And Venus being that planet of kind of like love and beauty, that feminine energy, that feminine planet <clears throat> um, associated with the genitourinary tract and the kidneys. And then also with... Uh, the breasts and like breast cancer turkey tail has been really really positive in breast cancer so think about all of those associations positive in in helping treat, in helping yeah, treat, treat breast, breast cancer yeah. for those Thank listening you. that yeah. do yeah. not understand that yeah. yeah there's been a decent amount of research on that hasn't mm-hmm. there yeah yeah the, yeah, the um the uh psk from the one of the polysaccharides uh from the turkey tail has actually been isolated and used in japan and they they give it to all the the people who are on chemotherapy in Japan um, in conjunction with the chemotherapy, the government pays for them to take yes. this polysaccharide isolate from yeah, the turkey tail. It's had mushroom. tremendous success. And, and, <clears throat> and particularly I've noticed when patients they'll have breast cancer, mm-hmm. have a radical mastectomy, and mm-hmm. then unfortunately it'll show up in another breast cancer will show up in another part of their body, like your yeah. spine or something yeah. like that. And being able to treat it in that way, which at that point it's, Oh, yeah. Who knows yeah. once it's yeah. gone to another part of the body. Yeah. Know, I know that's weird for some of the listeners to think that breast cancer would move to another part of the body, but remember that's just our common term for that type of cancer. Right. Yeah, as you right. say, the breast cancer means a specific type of molecular type of cancer, molecular right. or chemical action that's most often found in the breast. Yeah, right? so that, that's where it usually shows cancer up. Cancer isn't just a type of thing. It's it's there are many different types of cancer and they'll right. they may more commonly show up in one part of the body, but that doesn't mean that they're isolated to that part of the body. Right. Like the word cancer is kind of like the word germ, 
There's germs. all kinds yeah. of different germs yes. and all kinds of different yes. cancers. Yes, there's girl germs and there's boy germs. And the cooties. Mm-hmm. And the cooties. cooties. Yes, <laughs> yes, that's right. Now, let's not get too sciencey here. Yeah. So, would tail work for cooties? That's not been scientifically tested yet, so not they're not yet. really sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. Um, yeah, but so again, just kind of like drawing, drawing those associations and like looking at the physiological systems that the turkey tail has been scientifically proven through clinical studies to be active on and how we understand its therapeutic actions and then corresponding that with with the planet of venus and then it's going to give us kind of like insight into more of its energetic qualities as well because we understand venus is that planet of like self-love being that feminine kind of like the nurturer um like beauty um and then and then also coincidentally the the turkey tail has or i mean i don't really know if i believe in coincidence but (laughs) right the turkey tail also is really good for cosmetic skin conditions too and so thinking of venus having that melanomas or yeah and and, uh like eczema and burns Hmm. and stuff like that yeah i was gonna say if you start looking at like the correspondences that way you could start making some guesses some really well educated guesses on how you might use a particular mushroom right. that hasn't necessarily got like other documentation that it's been used this way, but right. because it's Venusian, for instance, right. why not try it for a skin related condition? Because exactly logically it, it could. So give it a try and see if it does. Right. Yeah. And so the, the mushrooms are just like such a new uh, thing into the field at this point, you know, not very much research being done on them. So, um, I think understanding like a lot of what's out there on the mushrooms is very broad. Like mushrooms yeah. are good for everything. And these, this mushroom is good for everything. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's, right. for me, it's kind of like trying to dial that in a little bit. And like, how yeah. do we, how do we specifically target and use this mushroom with, right. with um, like, what is it really, really good for? Like what, right. what are the things that it can just drive right into and is going to be good for more than this mushroom is good for that you know Mm. and so kind of looking at how it specifically addresses different things in the body and then since it's associated with venus then i'm going to process this mushroom on friday because friday is ruled by venus and i might try to do it you know i'd try to do it like the venusian hour so it's going to be like sunrise for three hours Oh, I'm um, so not down with Venus myself. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's just that's just kind of the way that I'm like applying it and and working yeah. with it. And and like I was saying earlier too, you can get really deep by looking where Venus is transiting and maybe capture Venus as it's transiting to your extract. In transiting and transiting on your chart or transiting there's lots of different ways i mean that, that that's the astrology that dynamic, part <laughs> yeah that dynamic's a little bit more complex uh and harder to understand mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. trying to keep it um i did read a book once called astrology for the lighter side of the brain that yeah. made that closer to understandable though it didn't teach me how to map it out and do all the math and figure it out for myself yeah but yeah. when people talked about it, and it's, I mean, it's been a decade since I right. read that, but it was really helpful in understanding what that means. It, it gets pretty complicated. That's, I try, really that's why I try to just kind of, when I talk about it and when I teach about it, I try to just kind of relay it on the most basic level and just work with the days of the week because that's mm-hmm. what's right in front of you and that's simple. 
Um, Do you have any of this information on your website or? So currently I have um, on my website, alchemycology.com. Mm -hmm. When you sign up for my email list, I have my list of planetary correspondences to different mushrooms. Ah. And that's also available in the Radical Mycology book. That was kind of the flagship where I where I did that uh, list initially. And then it's also published in Robert Rogers' newest book, Fungal Essences. Uh, Robert Ooh, Rogers has a new... I have that. I, yeah. I got that. So there's the, that, that chart that chart, <laughs> charts in the back of there too and and uh Wait, what's the name of that, that book again? Funny. Fungal Essences. That's on my Fungal Essences. And that's that's his yeah. 30 plus years of working clinically with um I have his other book. Instead of flower essences working with fungal essences and he prepares mm-hmm. them all a little bit differently. I bet um, yeah, he does. I'm pretty sure that's the one. I'm almost so, positive, yeah. Because so, I remember thinking it was like a flower essence <clears throat> book for mushrooms. I was yeah. like, that's brilliant. Yeah. It's on my giant stack of books yeah. I haven't yet gotten to. Totally. <laughs> Poor Shane. <laughs> <laughs> what, you books you haven't read? <laughs> <laughs> the problem is it's it's like a three-foot stack right yeah. now. <laughs> so, yeah. They're going to be adding. building a new room out of a stack of books. Library. I'm thinking the child, I mean, do we really... Do you really need children? We could we could move them into an RV in the backyard. <laughs> sure, yeah, absolutely. RV tent is fine. A tent. Yeah. He can he can sleep in a tent. It'll it's make him building. He'll want to go to college then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you you've got so people can contact you at tell me the places. So, so again. again, yeah. So again, if you go to my website alchemycology dot com mm-hmm. and you sign up for my email list, then you can get a free That's PDF of the of the mushroom chart. Ooh, a free PDF. Yeah. You hear that, listeners? And then uh, feralfungi.com is where I have my spagyric tinctures. Um, you can find my email address on the, that website too. It's just feralfungi at gmail.com. Okay. Um, people are f- feel free to contact me about teaching classes. I've been teaching uh, mostly here in the Northwest where I live, but also all over the country. Um, so I'm open and available for that. And um, yeah. Awesome. Well, yeah. thank you. Thank for you being so much. With us. Yeah, Appreciate thank you guys it. again for having me again. And yeah, and don't forget, folks. We say put an herb on it, but we also mean put a mushroom on that thing too. <laughs> <laughs> don't forget the mushrooms. <laughs> the statements made about herbs and products on this podcast have not been evaluated by the United States Food and Drug Administration (FDA) and are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. All information provided on this podcast or any affiliated websites is for informational purposes only and is not intended as a substitute for advice from your physician or other healthcare professional. You should not use the information on this podcast and its affiliated websites for a diagnosis or treatment of any health problem. Always consult with healthcare professional before starting any new vitamins, supplements, diet, or exercise program before taking any medication or if you have or suspect you might have a health problem. Any testimonials, questions, or case studies are based on individual results and do not constitute a guarantee that you will achieve the same results.